Welcome to the AME Radio Show. I'm your host, Jason Dowd, and I have got an hour of great interviews, commentary, music, and so much more for you guys, so don't go anywhere. I want you sitting right here with me, enjoying the night, and having some fun. So, did you guys have a pretty good week? I know I had a pretty good week, but it was a little weird for me. I gotta, I gotta admit, um, as everybody knows, I've been pretty much working like 20 hours a day for the last almost month and a half. So I decided to take a, l- a little weekend and just go have some fun. I was gonna go recharge and go to Disney and enjoy myself and, um, you know, do, do what I like to do. And that's really where I find a lot of my inspiration. So, Friday night, we decided to leave early. We decided to leave late Friday night, which was technically so we could get there early Saturday morning, and we didn't have to get up really early. We could just go and spend the night. So we took our reservations that we that I made online, and we took off to Orlando. Got there about like eight thirty at night, and we started driving down uh, one ninety two, which is Earlo Bronson Parkway. And when we got past Earl Bronson Parkway, right up to about where our hotel was, we decided we're going to go find something to eat over here. There's a lot of great restaurants to enjoy. So we get, to, we get to the spot where I thought our hotel was, and I looked over, and I couldn't really see anything. It was too dark. I'm like, man, that's kind of weird. It's ne- I've never seen it dark over here. So I'm like looking at a little bit, little bit more detailed to find out, oh, my God, I think that is my hotel. And there's like nobody in the parking lot. I didn't know what was up. But I'm like, eh, you know what? I'm hungry. Let's go get something to eat. As I passed it, I started to realize maybe I should go back. Um, something's just not right. And honestly, we can always cra- catch something to eat. You can't always find a place to stay, especially the night of the hotel, uh, of your trip. So we decided to turn around. We went up there, and sure enough, the whole entire hotel is closed. They've been out of business for a month, from what I understood. And uh, But yeah, they took my reservation. Do you believe that? So it was a uh, Magnuson Grand Hotel, and uh, I was lucky enough to get a hotel room across the street at a Ramada Inn, but I had to pay double the price because obviously we were there for you know the day of the show, uh, of the uh, the stay, so we didn't get like a little bit of a pre-booking discount. So that kind of screw up, screwed up our entire weekend because we had to, you know, rebudget stuff. And, and ironically, it was freezing cold. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I, I know Florida is like in the 40s and 30s and stuff like that. And it's cold, but it's not really cold as what our northern counterparts were experiencing. But when you get like a rainy, drizzy, drizzle type of day with hurricane type winds, I mean, I'm talking up to 30 miles an hour. It gets freaking cold. Um, it was about 43 degrees when we got up for Disney World, and it, the feel-like temperature was 32 degrees with the wind chill factor. And uh, we, we had a great time regardless, but, man, was it cold, and it was it was something I wasn't quite used to, to have that type of wind in my face. If it was just the cold, it wouldn't have mattered so much, but the wind really made a difference. So that was how my weekend went out, but I did get a lot of inspiration um, I'm looking to do a lot more photo, uh, f- photographs here coming up. In fact, next week I'm going to be doing uh, my first pinup for the year. Very excited about that. I'm going to be able to share that with you guys when it's done. Um, lots of lots of great stuff com- going to be coming up. I'm rejuvenated. I'm ready to go, and uh, we're ready to get rid of uh, to finish up this last bout of. Uh, of great interviews that I have coming up for you guys, and then we'll be able to just have some fun and uh, bring all these great interviews to the forefront. 
So, I don't know if you guys had a chance to check out our website yet. It's www.theamemagazine.com. Uh, there you can go to our radio link. You'll be able to see all of our past shows. You'll be able to see our upcoming guest, our past guest. Uh, anything that we have coming up here, you'll be able to see it there. And we also have a featured video section of any of our guests that come on that, are, uh, that have a music video. We love to display their work. Uh, you can also go to our magazine, AME Magazine, uh, which is an arts and entertainment magazine. That's on uh, the AMEMagazine.com. You can also check out our Beyond the Limits magazine, which is a paranormal stuff, if you like the weird, crazy uh, you know, things that go bump in the night. And, of course, our television show. And if you go to our to the uh, website, you'll be able to see that. Uh, we're very excited for our first show that we produced last week. That is uh, the first show of 2016. So... Um, what have I got up coming up for you guys today? Um, entertainment news. Uh, Barney, Miller's, Barney Miller's Abe Vigada, he died at 94. You also you first saw him as in The Godfather in 1972, and then he was very popular on Barney Miller. He died in his sleep in New Jersey. We have been losing people left and right. I don't know why. I don't know what's causing this, but 2016 has taken some amazing talent from us. And I hope it stops because we've probably lost about nine or ten people already and it isn't even the end of January yet. All right, guys. And right before we go on break, I want to introduce you to a book that I just fell in love with. It's called uh, Hobbs Goes Home, written by Bruce Zeman. Uh, Bruce is a radio show host who came in contact with a dog named uh, Hobbs. Actually, he named him Hobbs. And Hobbs was a dachshund that was abused by his family, betrayed brought to a shelter, and was hopefully, hopefully to find a new family, which he did with Bruce's family. And it's a story of abuse, it's a story of uh, second chances, and bullying. And that's what the whole message is about. And what has been so amazing is that Bruce took his story, wrote it in a child's book, and together, him and his dog, they go all around the United States talking about anti-bullying. Now, it doesn't matter if you're an animal or if you're a human, bullying hurts and it needs to stop. And I think we can all do that if we just put our hearts to it. And I hope, and hopefully this story will, will do that. This is a great child's book for anybody that knows somebody that is being bullied or knows your, or if your own child is being bullied. Um, and if your child isn't being bullied, it will help open up their eyes to people that are being bullied. And maybe they can make a difference and stop, step up and say, look, enough is enough. Um, I highly recommend this book. The best way to get this uh, book is to go to their website, which is bruceandhobbs.com. That's also where you can find their radio show. And I highly recommend everybody buying it. And anybody that does buy it, you get they will donate $5 to a charity, uh, to a secure, yeah, sorry, not a charity, but a shelter of your choice. So make sure you have that set up and ready. And he will be happy to make that donation and hopefully change the life for one other animal. And anybody knows me, I have a dachshund myself. I have three rescues, so I am very passionate about helping animals out there. And I strongly suggest if you're looking for a dog, check out the pound first because you are their second chance at life. And a lot of the times, most of them will never, ever see the light of day again because most of them don't get adopted and they are put down. And I hate that so much. So if you have a chance to, to expand your family to a loving animal, that's the place to go. All right, guys, uh, coming up, we have uh, Bob and Lee Kazaza. We are going to be talking Italian food. These guys are 
real Italians, and they know how to cook it. Well, at least Bob is. Lee learned over time uh, from her husband's family. And then we're going to be bringing on Braxton Cosby. He is the great. He is the nephew of. Bill Cosby, and he is a uh, physical therapist, he is a personal trainer, he is an author, and he just released a book, and we're going to be talking to him about that. So I'm going to go to a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be listening to our first guest who is on the line with me, so stay tuned. Hey, this is Jen Lilly from Days of Our Lives, and you're listening to AME Radio Show. All right, everybody, I have on the line with me right now uh, two guests, Bob and Lee Cazaza. They are the authors of Big Mama's Italian-American Cookbook. And honestly, there's nothing I love more than Italian cooking. So welcome to the show, guys. How are you doing? Doing great. We're doing great. Thanks for having us. Oh, you're welcome. I love absolutely love Italian food. I have been one of that's one of my favorite foods that I have uh, grown up with. And I grew up in a little in a place in Connecticut called uh, Little Italy because there were so oh. many Italians. And I got to tell you when I was doing a paper out up there, I would come home at like five o'clock and I'd go out and do my collecting and, and uh, everything. And the smell of the food in that area was just amazing. Uh, so I'm, I love to be able to talk about some Italian food and, and uh, what your guys take uh, on it is. And how did you guys even get into uh, the love of Italian cooking? Well, Bob, you start because it was your family. Yes, it was my family and uh, both my uh Mother and father's relatives came from Italy. Uh, my father's relatives were from the north, up in the Genoa area, Lake Como area, and my mother's relatives down near Naples. Uh, and so um, when I was raised, we would always have the big Sunday Italian dinners. And then, of course, when I was in college, I met Lee, and we ended up being uh, husband and wife uh, my last year of college. And then she was introduced to the family, and... Um, that was back in 1967. So it all started with her going to the family Sunday Italian dinners. And she met uh, my great-grandmother, who we called Big Mama. She was the oldest matriarch in the family. And then we had my grandmother and my mother. So all three ladies taught my wife, Lee, how to cook Italian. And that's how it started. I bet you that was an, an an amazing experience. I love listening. I used to love watching my grandmother cook, and I never got to see my great grandmother cook or anything like that. But just to be able to experience something like that has got to be a, it's got to be an amazing experience. Oh, it was, and um, and the, like you said, the smell, the aroma of the food, and especially when we go to Bob's family was in Portsmouth, Virginia, and Richmond, Virginia, and we go to his grandmother's house that we called Mamaw, uh, and. The smell of the food, the aroma, you know, Sunday gravy is what they called it. It was just amazing. And his grandfather was there, and he put on old Italian music, and the whole family would get there and have big Italian dinners. So that inspired me, and I've been cooking um, a lot of Italian food. We've been married 48 years, so I really know how to cook Italian food now. Well, this question is for both of you guys. What is your favorite Italian dish, and why? Okay, you want me to go first, Bob? Yeah, you go first. Okay. I think my favorite one is um, Sunday rigatoni with beef shank gravy. So uh, it's it's like um, it's a, a rich sauce like you would have with spaghetti meatballs and sausages, but this is with a beef shank, and the meat just falls off the bone, and you just put it in the oven and leave it. You don't do much. You put it together and then put it in the oven and leave it, and your house smells wonderful all for two or three hours. 
That is a great one. Mm-hmm. Traditional Italian dinner. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, my, it's hard to really choose a favorite, but one of the favorite ones that started with my uh, grandmother and great-grandmother was a very simple dish from Italy. Uh, they called them stuffed peppers. And that's because when they lived in Italy, uh, the town, you know, they didn't have a lot of meats. So they would, uh, they take the, the red and the green bell peppers and they would, uh, make a, uh, a bread mix with all sorts of herbs and cheeses. And once in a while if they had meat, they put meat in it too and they put it into a stuffed pepper. And it's such a unique dish, but it, it's a memory that goes back when I was a little kid because I had never had that before and I never had seen that in an Italian restaurant. So I would say that has a lot of, uh, you know, of mem- great memories for me. So uh, because it came from them, mm-hmm. I love. Well, I have one more. I have one more because oh, go ahead. of our travels to Italy, especially on the Amalfi Coast. There's a, a recipe that I made called spaghetti pirate style, and in Italy it would be spaghetti alla bucanera, and it has all this wonderful seafood with spaghetti, and um, that's also in my cookbook. But that's a wonderful dish too. Now, what's the good key to good Italian cooking? Is it is it the spices? Is it the simplicity? Uh, what makes Italian food special? Simple. We really want it to be simple. Um, the flavors are not always garlic. They don't put garlic in everything. But simple things in maybe some uh, basil, uh, oregano. Um, but it's the best quality items you can get, like good Italian tomatoes in a can. You know, get the best ones you can because it really makes a difference if you're using, if you're making something with a tomato sauce. But simple is, is the best and good ingredients. Well, I also think, I mean, uh, healthy ingredients is key too because, I mean, sometimes Italian uh, dishes can seem very heavy. And a lot of people uh, might equate them to gaining a lot of weight and things, if, especially if you have a pasta with everything or you're just using the pasta dishes. But there's such a wide variety of Italian food that falls into all these categories, whether it's just pure fish or uh, just pure uh, veal. Uh, and so keeping it simple is also keeping it healthy, not overdoing you know, certain things that are fatty. So that's really key as well. I know that that area is the Mediterranean, and it's very well known for its olives. And I know olive oil is pretty key in in Italian cooking. What properties does it bring to the flavor of the food? How healthy is it? And why has it been so important for the Italians to use it in their in their uh, meals and stuff? Well, my theory is, and I believe a lot of people feel this way too, that olive oil pure. Extra virgin olive oil has a, a low smoke uh, quality to it. So you don't want to cook anything on a high temperature with your extra virgin olive oil. Keep that for drizzling over your finished product, your finished dish, or for your uh, um, salad dressings. Use an extra light olive oil or uh, grapeseed oil or avocado oil when you're cooking at a higher temperature. And, um, you know, and save the good extra virgin for your finished dishes. Is that, are the, is the Italian, is the uh, olive oil um, healthier than, say, a canola oil or uh, a peanut oil that we technically use here in America? Well, I don't use canola oil. I haven't used canola oil in years. Um, 
Um, but there's a lot of theories behind that. Um, but I think olive oil is, it's in the Mediterranean diet. It's part of what they're now saying is the healthiest food you can eat, and olive oil is included. It's just I don't cook with it because you 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 ruin it when you cook on at a high temperature. Now, peanut oil is made for high-temperature cooking, like uh, if you're going to deep-fry something. Mm-hmm. I would say use peanut oil. Interesting. So what brought you guys to making this particular cookbook? Uh, was it just because you wanted to share your, your recipes? Do you have family secret recipes in there that you kind of decided to part with? Or how did, how is the book set up? Well, I have a few family secret recipes, um, most of them, but not all of them. In fact, I have another book in mind because I have so many recipes. Um, but my love of cooking started when I was just a little girl. I was born and raised on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., and I bought my first cookbook um, in the fourth grade at John Tyler Elementary School on Capitol Hill in the bookmobile, and it was a cookbook, and I still have it. And so I've been saving recipes and writing them down, and I have this huge binder of, of recipes. Um, and so I told my husband, we, we, let's do this. You know, this is something I've always wanted to do, and we worked on it together for a year and a half, and it was a, really a wonderful experience, and I can't wait to start on a second Italian, and I also want to start on a southern cookbook about, because my mother was from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of southern American recipes, too. Yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing because, I mean, Lee comes from a southern background, white Ang- Anglo-Saxon, and she goes into this Italian family and adopts all of these recipes and actually has become an expert at, at these Italian recipes. Um, and, I, and I do think that uh, we've learned a lot in terms of how you put a book together doing this, and we also self-published the book, which is a whole different venture because you have to uh, self-promote it. We've been in Costco uh, and Amazon. We, Amazon and things like that, but we had to work very hard to self-promote the book. So it's it's quite a business undertaking in addition to being able to, to do the cookbook. And it was printed in the USA. I could have sent it to China for a lot less money, but um, I was real, you have more control to have it printed in the U.S. So it was printed in Illinois. Now, uh, does the book obviously it has entrees? Do you also have uh, uh, you know soups and salads and uh, desserts oh, yes. and everything else mm-hmm. in there? Appetizers, uh, soups, salads, pizzas, uh, desserts, um, poultry, uh, meats, um, and seafood. Yes. So everything's in there. Yeah. And some dishes are. I have a whole section where dishes under thirty minutes. Now, how did I, you I think she. I think she also made it really easy for any any person to learn how to cook Italian. We've gotten a lot of great feedback on how she simplified the recipes in terms of how you prepare it. So, even I, even though I don't try, even though even I could do a dish. That's that's awesome because I'm. I honestly I was not a very good cook until just about recently where I uh, met up with a guy from Hell's Kitchen and he kind of told me how to cook a little bit and you got you got to listen to the food because it talks to you and that was something I never (laughs) did. I never did it and I I, you know I got used to eating burnt toast and um, you know (laughs) extremely cold stuff. So um, when I actually did it, I felt really proud of myself. I was like, wow, I can actually cook something that's not going to make me sick. So that was good. Yeah. So how did well, you I think got... the recipes are easy to follow for people. Um, 
in order exactly how you should do it. And, and every single recipe in my book has a, a color photograph. And that was important to me. We, I made the food and then I said, okay, let's take the picture. And our son's a professional photographer, so he set us up with the right equipment and lighting. And we took the photograph and then we ate it. <laughs> and if I didn't like the photograph, I'd tell my husband, we're going to have to eat this again in another week or so. And he'd say, that's fine with me. Yeah, gee, that's just a terrible thing, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I've been really spoiled, I have to tell you. So one of the questions I've always wanted to ask somebody that's ever written a cookbook is how do you narrow down all the recipes to bring it down to just a few? Because it's got to be hard. You know, like when I, when I do my artwork, I want to just put everything out there, but I really have to narrow it down. What's your process? Well, um, what I did was I made sure I had a variety of, you know, like I said, I have the appetizers. So I wanted a variety of the ones that... I know that people would like. Some of them are, are uh, well-known and some aren't because I had a an ex-son-in-law who uh, was from Positano, Italy, and he showed me how to make a few uh, um, um, sort of like a bruschetta. And so, you know, I, I have some of those, and then when it comes to, you know, I had to put uh, chicken in there, poultry, and then meats. And so I just picked the ones that I thought, these are the ones I'm going to do now, but I told you I have a whole bunch in my computer for another cookbook. Well, also, I think what she did very well is she, she wanted to make sure she hit some of the very traditional uh, Italian-American dishes that people know, but she's also invented a lot on her own by just experimenting and, and being in different places like Italy and adopting recipes that people have never even heard of before. So I, I think that was the, the goal, is to give people something familiar, but yet something new. Now, how do you mix in the American side to the Italian? How do you make an American-Italian dish? Well, um, this is American Italian-American because this is Bob's you know, great-grandparents great um, started. They were some of the first ones to come over and settled in Italy, and in Little Italy and New York. I mean, settled in New York. And, um, you know, they didn't have all the products they had in Italy. So they added and made what they had um, with the ingredients that they could find. And like meatballs, you, you really find spaghetti and meatballs in Italy. Um, but that was one of their big things, and it was inexpensive to make. And they, they did that and cooked it, you know, several hours during the day. Now, Italian, real Italian food, um, like the spaghetti alla bucanera, which is pirate sauce spaghetti, that's definitely from Italy. Um, but they don't have the same shrimp that we have in the U.S. So it's, I guess it would be more Italian-American because there's shrimp that we get in the Gulf and uh, Alaska and um, the mussels and the clams. Well, there are also things that became pure Italian-American just because Americans added things that you would never find in Italy. A good example would be something like pepperoni pizza. Yeah. Uh, pepperoni pizza is not in Italy, basically. You can find pizza. It, it was invented in Naples, mm -hmm. but it was Americanized by putting pepperoni on it here, or sausages. Some people will even Americanize it by putting pineapple, but my grandfather would roll over in his grave <laughs> if he had pineapple on his pizza. So, it's, you know, Americans take a little liberties with things, just like Lee said, because they were available. And if you ask for pepperoni pizza in Italy, they, they would give you uh, hot peppers because pepperoncino is hot peppers in, uh, or hot pepper in Italy. So you don't get pepperoni. 
I think think the secret to the cookbook was it was trying to honor the various Americanizations of recipes that started from Italy and came to this country. And uh, like you were saying, growing up where you grew up and you smelled all the recipes, you could go to any two houses on that block and they would probably do something a little bit different to their spaghetti sauce or or their pizzas or their polenta uh, because they would experiment and make it, you know, a little bit like what they wanted to find in their local neighborhood. So uh, I think that's that's what we're trying to do is honor those traditions and not go too far because, I mean, certain things have been done with pizza where it has become Asian, you know, where an Asian pizza, and that's okay. But it's not it's not from the traditional backgrounds that Italian Americans had in America. Mm-hmm. One question I have for you guys: since you do a lot of, you've been working with Italian food, you grew up in an Italian family. When you go to places like, let's just say, Olive Garden or anything like that, is that true Italian? I mean, does it, <laughs> is it close? Um, we've never been to Olive Garden. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't answer that one. <laughs> I, I know that most Italians that I speak to would not say it's authentic Italian. It's it's, it's a version of Italian food based on you know their menus and their their spices and stuff. But I think that you would find uh, really tight families would say you know it, it may not be following some of the recipes the way a traditional family would have done it. And and that's not to say it's wrong or right. We're just trying to offer. Uh, you know, food that was cooked at home, home style. It's a home style. You can't find home style as much on the West Coast as you can in New York City or Boston mm-hmm. or Philadelphia or Cincinnati. So uh, it's a certain style. That's all you can say. It's more of a home style, authentic Italian cooking. That's interesting. Now, guys, we are running out of time. i got about three minutes left, so go ahead and tell everybody how they can find your book, and maybe if, do you, if you guys accept recipes, how they can contact you and, and get some suggestions. Okay, well, I have a blog, first of all, and it's called um, Big Mama's Italian American Cooking dot blogspot dot com, and my recipes are there free for anyone, and I think you can uh, print them off of there. And also, you can go to Lee Kazaza Cooking dot com um, and that's where my website is where you can purchase my book you can also purchase the book at Amazon so um, there's you know three ways there that you can get the recipes well thank you guys so much for coming on I am I should not have done this interview at this time of day because now I'm extremely hungry and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am going to go have to cook myself something but thank you for coming on sharing your heritage sharing your, your love of food and I hope everybody else gets the the idea to go out and try your book and try some of the recipes you guys love thank okay you. well go to my blog and you get a recipe for free <laughs> awesome thank you Jason thank you guys and we're going to thank be you go- We're going to be going to a commercial break, everybody. When we come back, we're going to be hearing some more commentary and music, so stay tuned. Do you love horror? The strange and unusual fantasy creatures or urban legends? Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd and his award-winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com Get inside his mind and 
experience his inner weird. This is Vic DiBetetto. You are listening to the AME Radio Show. All right, everybody. I have on the line with me Braxton Cosby. He is a physical therapist. He's a sports nutritionist, a personal trainer, an actor, a model, and author of Fat Free for Life, 13 Principles for Guaranteed Weight Loss and Ultimate Health. That's a lot to do, and I'm and he's very successful. So welcome, Braxton, to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it, Jason. Oh, you're welcome. So you really get in. You really got into um, physical, uh, you know, the health and and your physical well being, uh, probably pretty early in your life. What kind of got you started into that type of field? Uh, to be honest, I was an athlete and I played uh, three sports in high school. And then when I went to college, I just uh, I picked one. I competed in uh, in track and field, mainly ran the hurdles and some of the relays. And um, what happened is, uh, right around my the end of my sophomore year, beginning of my junior, year, I got injured. And um, I ended up uh, tearing my hamstring, so I had to go through rehab with the trainers, you know, the sports trainers. And um, it was something that I was interested in because, you know, being on the other side of the fence, you really get to understand what it's like to uh, to be injured, to understand what it takes to get back on your feet, to be afraid, to, you know, to, to push it again because you're injured. And I kind of went through that whole experience. And I appreciated uh, the people who worked with me and the time and the patience they had and you know, their attention to detail and to try to care for me. So, um, you know, I was like, hey, you know, that might be something I want to I want to do one day. Uh, but I didn't want to be an athletic trainer because it took up a lot of time. Um, and I was like, well, what else can I do? And as I just kind of went into the health field and researched, I found out that physical therapy might have been a nice, um, happy medium where you can still kind of, you know, get in your day, help people, but still have time to do family things and, and whatever else you wanted to do. Um, and they have such a wide range, the autonomy that you can have with being a physical therapist of working in different venues and doing so much, um, it, it really gave me, it had a lot of value. So I went into that and ended up getting my, uh, my, my master's and my doctorate and, and uh, got a certification in sports nutrition later on to try to refine, you know, what's the, the uh, eating side of, of health and wellness beyond just rehab and taking care of your body. And then, of course, personal trainer, um, certification really fit in well with that as well to kind of give people um, and another perspective of, of being fit and also just kind of completing the circle of all the dimensions of what I can do working with somebody to, to get them uh, in a good state of wellness. So that all just came together nicely. How does somebody, like if they're injured, how can their the nutritional side also help the enhance the physical therapy for a better recovery? Well, yeah, you know, uh, if we talk about building blocks uh, and things that are necessary, so you have a, a muscle or just your body in general, um, and it's, you know, it's like a building. If, if, you, if you have the plan and the blueprint and you have the skeleton uh, with the metal and now you start to add the, the bricks and the mortar and the sheetrock, all of those things, you know, that is what's going to make the, the building stronger, but you have to have it. So you have to have some of the uh, ingredients or the tools that go along to help build. So... That's when nutrition comes in at, you know, if you, if you do injure your muscles or even just any tissue of the body, you need to feed it the, the substrates that are going to be necessary to have it heal itself or, you know, facilitate the healing process through therapy. So uh, eating the right foods that are going to help your body um, work a lot more efficiently is so important and, and critical. You know, you just can't, you know, put in a, a bunch of alcohol and, and sweets and things that have empty calories and, and 
aren't going to allow your body to heal itself and speed up the metabolism and make it work uh, very efficiently. None of that is going to um, going to go well uh, towards your healing process. Therapy alone, exercise alone, is not going to do it. So you need to have a good balance, and that's um, exactly what um, I wanted to do with with writing Fat Free for Life. It's more than just uh, you know, a meal plan. It's it's a strategy for the mind, body, and spirit. And uh, I basically came up with these thirteen principles. Pulled in all my experience, all my education, uh, not just experience of being a, a therapist for fourteen years, but just uh, being an athlete and and having goals and setting goals and and attaining them, and um, finding out what the research says about these principles that I came up with and what uh, what. The Bible says about some of these principles, just, you know, something that's inspirational, not real preachy, but just inspirationally how to change your mindset and be positive and go out and, and do great things and be used for more of a purpose than just, you know, going to work every day. And then finally, what is um, some personal testimonies, not just myself, but other people who have done fantastic, uh, who have accomplished fantastic feats like Florence Nightingale and uh, Wilma Rudolph, you know, people who had the odds against them but still came out on top, just things that are going to inspire people and speak to more than just, you know, a, a plate of food and how you should eat and exercise. Although I do cover those things. I give percentages on uh, what your plate should look like. I ask you to join the Eat Less, Move More campaign, which we're currently doing now with a group on Facebook, really getting people to eat half portions and do double exercise. So there's a lot in the book that addresses a lot of, of what's necessary to uh, have what I, I call this is going to be, you know, guaranteed weight loss and ultimate health. You know, you made a very valid point in there, too. It's about your your ability to think right. There are so many people that can defeat themselves and keep themselves sick or, or hinder their ability to uh, rehab themselves by negative thinking. How do you, how do you, what type of, what type of things can we do to try to stop that from happening so that way we can actually go, be positive and move forward? Well, I think people, a lot of people fall into a state of apathy because they, you know, they do the whole woe is me thing, and, and that's fine for a period, and I get that. You know, you, you may get depressed because of the state that you're in you're not very happy with or your circumstances have gotten you to a point where you, you don't see anything beyond uh, the present time. But, you know, my book in particular really speaks positively. I try to talk to you. I'm like your, pep, you know, your, your coach. I'm like the coach in your, in your backyard who's talking to you. When you read this book, I'm talking directly to the person who's reading. And it's really about inspiring and encouraging yourself and getting yourself off the couch and deciding that, hey, man, I have another day uh, alive to do something about my circumstance. I don't have to just sit here and be a victim, but I can move uh, in a direction of being a victor, you know. And uh, the only way you can really do that is to have a mental realignment and then decide that, you know what, the time is now for you to do what you're going to do. You don't have to sit back and continue to take what the world is, is giving you, but you can start to really dictate back what you want from the world. You know, um, a couple of the, the chapters that really speak to that are um, uh, recognize your past uh, and recognize and move past your obstacles, the obstacles that are before you. What are some of the barriers that are holding you back from getting the success that you want uh, concerning just life in general, even health and wellness, you know, um, recognize those and, and make up a plan to move past those. You know, and also another chapter is claim, it's actually chapter number one. Claim success for your new season. Determine that this is the new season you're going to start walking in. You know, that, that the last seasons don't count. You know, your record is clean. You don't have a win or loss column. It's today is the day I'm zero, zero, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to 
start racking up more W's than losses now. Um, and I think once people really kind of get that um, in their minds that they do have opportunity because they do have another day to do something about it, then they really can move forward and uh, and do amazing things that I know is within all of us. And you mentioned Florence Nightingale. Have there been other uh, people that have uh, used this book and has it changed their their particular lifestyle, their uh, their health? And if so, who are they, and what did it do for them? Um, you know, it just just readers right now are starting to give a lot of feedback. Man, I mean, they take my uh, chapter one talks about a personal testimony of me when I got injured. I mean, I, you know, I'm I'm you know not as young as I used to be, but I, you don't know, bounce back the way you used to. I remember I had this nagging injury. Uh, under my clavicle, this little small muscle that I got, and it took me like a year to recover. When normally I probably would have not even felt it if I was younger, but I I got so frustrated because it was slowing my workouts down. It, it wouldn't allow me to get in the gym and do what I wanted to. And finally, I just decided, like, hey man, I'm not going to let this hold me back anymore. I'm going to move past it. I did my exercises, and I continued to just keep pushing. And eventually, I worked through it. So people have been saying, like, man, you know what? I had a bias. I had a problem with my knees. They used to really hurt. And I used to make excuses I wasn't going to, uh, you know, I couldn't walk, but I, I had a recumbent bike. And now, after reading that part of the chapter, I decided I was going to push today. And you know what? I was able to get on the bike and, and ride for, you know, 20 minutes now, you know, and I could never do that before. And thank you so much. And uh, a lot of people have been, you know, just encouraged by it. Even uh, I had an endorsement from Gail Devers, you know, ex-Olympic uh, athlete who ran the hurdles. And she says, you know, that the writings are thought-provoking, inspiring, educational, motivational, and captivating. And I was really, you know, honored by that because you talk about somebody who had a million and one reasons to stop running with grave disease and the shortcomings she had and you know she took off time and about a year and then she came back again and still went and won olympic gold so when when people who get it you know whether you're an athlete or just somebody who's currently you know in a state where you have disease processes that are affecting your ability to move and function well when they get it and they're and they're giving you feedback and encouragement and endorsing uh, what I put together, it makes me feel really good because I know that in these pages there's a blessing for somebody who picks it up. There's somewhere they can find themselves and identify with something that will keep them motivated and encouraged, and that's, and that's great for me. And how did you come up with the principles that you've outlined in your book, and how much research did it take, and how much actual implementation did it take to, to try it out? Oh, yeah. Well, these, you know, these principles were just, you know, they just kind of came to me as I was, I, like I said, I went through all the experience I've had of being a therapist. What are some of the things that people are having problems with? You know, I have a principle, uh, one principle chapter title is called Broken Clock. Everybody makes an excuse. Well, I'm just too old now, you know. So I bring them an example of people who are older who still accomplish great things. Uh, and then a buddy up, you know, the buddy up principle. Have a buddy. Have an accountability partner. Somebody who's going to be in the grind with you, in the, you know, in the trenches is going to motivate you and, and call you out and say, hey, you know, today is not the day to lay down. I'm going to the gym. You meet me there. Make sure you're there. You know, realize your strength is another principle. Understanding that you do have strength. There's some things you do uh, well that you may not do as well as somebody else, but there's something that you can do to um to, something you can embrace in yourself that you can just continue to move and then make bring make the strong things very strong and some of those things that you're weaker in, you know, just bring those along as they can. And then one of my favorite chapters is really called Turn Down the Volume and Listen because I think we have a volume issue in the United States. You know, they say about year 2030, I think 60 to 90% of us will be what they call obese, uh, and that's very scary because the numbers are slowly climbing and they're not getting, um, they're not going the opposite way. Um, but I also have a little section in each one of the chapters, too, just a moment for people to laugh at themselves called Cosby's Corner, 
where it kind of makes a joke about the principle, you know, uh, where people can uh, sit back and just laugh. I have this thing called fat ways. You know, what are some of the ways that some of the things that you do that are keeping you fat? You know, are you eating out of the whole carton of ice cream rather than making a bowl of it and putting the rest of it back? Are you eating out of the entire bag of chips rather than taking a napkin and taking a handful of chips and just eating that? Just some of these things that people are like, yeah, that's me, that's me, you know. So um, research-wise, man, we I cited at least over 70 resources of evidence-based um, research out there that actually speak to the principles in the book. So people are going to be like, man, you know, for the intellectual, they'll be able to get like, okay, this, wow, science is saying that this is where we are in the United States, in the world concerning some of these things, and, and they'll be able to get a good bevy of information from so many sources, not just the research, not just biblically, but, not, but also just the testimonies of people who are really uh, getting out there and, and doing amazing work. And what's your take on some of the obesity problems that we're facing here in America, especially with young children, and what can we kind of try to do yep. to curb that? I think you made a great point when you talk about young children. You know, a lot of it, uh, even one of the principles in, in, in the book that I have is called The Sins of the Father, and it's true. You know, um, I don't know about you, but when I was brought up as a kid, you know, my parents, I mean, make sure you clean your plate. You always clean your plate no matter what happens. And I became an adult, and I felt guilty when I didn't finish eating all of my food, you know. And I was like, well, where did that come from? And I, and I think that's what we do to our children. We we control their eating habits. We create that, you know. We we start that uh, start them on the path of, of eating habits, and we have to be accountable to that as parents, as adults. We have to start saying, hey, you know, um, you want to eat, this is how you should eat. You know, you shouldn't be forced to eat. If you don't, you shouldn't eat when you're not hungry. You know, um, you know, our foundation of health has been established by the influences of people and cultures from which we come from. You know, we all come from different walks of life, but, you know, our family values are, have a huge, huge, uh, play a huge role in that. So, um, for young people, I, even with, with my own kids, I say, hey, you know, when they're not hungry, they say, hey, daddy, I'm full. I don't want to eat anymore. I say, okay, let's, you know, wrap it up, put it away, uh, in the refrigerator. We don't, we're not wasteful, and we, we, we have it for later, you know, so my kids know that, you know, they don't throw food away. They'll eat it later when they're hungry. But I don't try to stuff it down uh, their face anymore, you know. I find myself finishing my plate no matter how big or little it was. If somebody just gave me a big plate of food, I ate it because that was something that was driven into me to not waste food. So um, just really helping the way people view eating uh, and, and changing some of those habits uh, and it starts as a child. You know, you have to make sure that, uh, that kids understand that food is something that's it's amazing, it's wonderful, and it's to be enjoyed, but it's, it shouldn't be something that's going to uh, be a hindrance to their lifestyle. And also the lifestyle would probably have a lot of uh, means to it, too. I mean, I remember when we grew up, you know, we were outside playing ball or football yeah. or, or Frisbee or something. Now everybody's sitting behind a computer, sitting behind a games console or something, and they're, they're not as active as they were. Does that also yep. have an impact on this to you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, eating has become just this rote activity that many of us do without even getting to the point of being hungry. You know, and what drives hunger is activity. You know, you go out and you eat. I mean, you, you exercise, you play around, man. The first thing you want to do is eat something, you know. So um, a lot of it should be, you know, your body is calling out for the nutrients and, and the substances that it needs to replenish itself, you know. So getting kids out and being more active, you know, and I understand, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's, there's a lot of things outside as far as the weather and, and it makes it difficult to get out, but, I think kids being more active, they have a lot of these nice little jump houses that you can go into now. You can take kids and just let them bounce around all day, you know, and even some of these 
video games that are out that, that have a lot of stand-up activities and, you know, um, that some of the systems have now where they can be fully active inside their own home. Um, I think a lot of that plays a, a huge part. So what we're allowing our kids to do, how engaged we are with them and not just letting them sit in the room by themselves and, um, you know, be into their own devices, I think we need to really take part as parents and adults is, is having fun with our children and trying to ensure that they're getting everything that they need um, both uh, physically and intellectually to, to be, uh, you know, productive citizens when they get older. And here's another question I have uh, that I've been thinking about for a long time mm-hmm. is the eating habits. You know, we always have three meals a day, and they're pretty big, you know, e- each morning, noon, and night. But for me, right. I seem to eat, I seem to take it better if I eat little portions all throughout the day uh, when I get hungry. Right. And sometimes I don't, I'm not that hungry. Is that is that a better way to eat, or is it? Or do you think it's better just to sit down and eat the three meals? Well, here's what I tell people. You have to know yourself, and you have to be honest with yourself. I would not tell a person who's over 400 pounds to eat six meals a day because I don't trust what they're going to eat, how big that plate is going to look. You know what I mean? Right. But for a person like myself, I graze throughout the day. So, I mean, honestly, I may eat breakfast at 8 o'clock, but by, and, I don't, and I'll eat lunch again around 12, but by 11, I'm looking for something to graze on. So I have to have those things available to graze on. So uh, the food that helps to increase your metabolism, which are talked about in my book, you know, maybe it's a piece of celery, maybe it's, you know, a glass of green tea, it might even be a simple yogurt, you know, it might be a, a handful of grapes. I'm eating things that are constantly ramping up my metabolism, and they're good snacks that get me to the next meal. So in that case, you do have three meals and three snacks throughout the day. You know, um, before I go work out, I always have, like, maybe a turkey uh, soft taco or a burrito, just something where I'm getting protein immediately into my system before I eat so I'm not hungry while I'm working out. But I've also given myself um, substrate on the front end that will be used to build myself up as I continue to exercise um, throughout that time of day. So um, those things are touched on in the book. And what I do is I change the percentages of people's plates. So I talk about breakfast, lunch, and dinner, having more carbs in the beginning of your day by the time you get to the end of your day, your last meal. It's really more about protein and veggies and maybe a late-night snack after that, like a, a, a protein shake or something that really kind of gets you through uh, your sleep cycle without feeling hungry. So, you know, those things are, are in the book because um, I'm really a proponent for just really controlling the volume of how much we're eating. If we don't tackle volume, it really doesn't matter what we put on our plate anymore if we're eating three or four servings of it. I hear that. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, we are just about uh, out of time, so I want you to be able to give everybody the opportunity to go check out the book and buy it. Absolutely. Where can they find it? They can find it anywhere. I mean, honestly, Barnes & Nobles, uh, if it's not in your local store, you can go in and order it. It's fat-free for life, 13 principles for weight loss and for guaranteed weight loss and ultimate health. And, of course, the biggest online dealer is Amazon. You know, you just look up either Braxton Cosby or you look up fat-free for life. It'll pop right up. Uh, you know, books a million anywhere online or retail where books are sold, and of course, there's the ebook and the complimentary paperback version uh, on all in all of those um, distribution levels as well. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and giving such great advice. I hope people take it, and I hope people read the book too, and hopefully, it'll change their lives. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome, Braxton. And guys, we're going to go to a commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to be hearing more music, commentary, and interviews. So stay tuned. Do you love horror, the strange and unusual fantasy creatures or urban legends? Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? 
If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd and his award-winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird. Hi, I'm internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd, and I released one of my most profound photographic collections to date, my 3D collection. Since 2009, I've looked for ways to bring my art to life in ways that would amaze my audience. After a rare malfunction at Disney, I realized that 3D was the way to go. Now the series can be seen in galleries all the way across the United States. If you want to see this collection, contact my studio, Imagination Art Studios, by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com and ask how. While you're there, check out my award-winning Dreams, Nightmares, Fears, and Fantasy collection, as well as my Morbid Sensations collection. Again, that's www.imaginationartstudios.com. All right, everybody. It is the end of the show already. I hope you enjoyed our guests, Bob and Lee Kazaza, and their uh, book telling us how to cook Italian, real Italian food. And then we also had Braxton Cosby, who came on to tell us about his book and how you can fight obesity and live a healthy and fulfilled life, because that is something we all need to take consideration on as we grow older. So I, ch- I encourage everybody to go to our website, www.theamemagazine.com. There you'll be able to see our radio show links, uh, a link to our television show, and our magazine. You can check it out 24 hours a day, seven days a week. How cool is that? And it, we don't charge. So just go on there and explore. Now, I encourage anybody out there that's an artist, whether you're an art of uh, uh, musical, uh, literary, culinary, fine arts, performing arts, it doesn't matter. This radio show was designed, actually all of our platforms were designed to be the voice for your art. We want to get it out there. So if you are an artist, you have a book, whatever you want to promote that's uh, art and art and entertainment related, please contact us. You can go to the website and get us, get us through that, or you can go to our Facebook page and get us there, which is The AME Experience. Actually, www.facebook forward slash The AME Experience. And you can check us out on my personal Twitter, which is also my studio Twitter, which is at Dowd Studios. And so I want to hear from you. I want to check out your art. I want to be inspired by you. All right, guys, I'm going to be leaving you with some music because I like to end the, the show on something exciting, fun, and um, hopefully inspiring because I always find music very inspiring. And I want everybody to have a great week. I will see you next week with some more great interviews, more commentary, more enter- arts and entertainment news, and, of course, more great interviews that's and and music so that's what we're going to be doing see you guys next week guys come back enjoy have a safe week good night everybody